Welcome to She Makes Waves. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayuga, and I'm here to share with you a lot of realness and rawness about what it's really like and how we all have to let go of who we thought we had to be to live into who we actually are. I'm going to be sharing with you my truths and the truths of others and make waves while doing it. Who's with me? Because we're not going to be nice anymore. We're getting real. Buckle up, babe. Let's do this. All right. So today we have Don Wu of Pure Salon Inc. Don and her partner Ashley opened Pure Salon in Arlington Heights, Illinois, five years ago. Don is more passionate than ever about this industry. She even started living beyond the dream to help encourage others. But today we have Don on kind of talking about a different topic than I originally thought when I first invited her to be on. We're going to be talking about the realities of reopening our salons, specifically here in Illinois. Don has a huge network of other business owners that she's been in, in touch with. And I just thought today she would have such amazing insight for us. So Don, thank you for being on. Lindsay, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So I know you and I have kind of crossed paths throughout the years and, you know, I know you had opened your salon and it was like chasing a dream, like so many of us have. And then like, here we sit today with all of this blood, sweat and tears that we put into our businesses, just kind of waiting in the wings on hold, no certainty. So can you tell us a little bit about like how you've been handling this and then maybe get into a little bit about what you've learned from talking to your network? Sure. So originally when we started to, we kind of started to see a little bit of the the hit to the business, I would say somewhere in the later part of February. Um, a lot of clients were canceling. A lot of things were starting to become pretty evident that we were going in a direction that we didn't want. So as the, um, the constant talk of the coronavirus was happening, we decided on the 17th of March that we would just shut our doors down and, and follow that, that um, I don't know, what do you want to call it? The governmental standings of what we should yeah. be doing. And it's been interesting because we've done the same thing that you've been doing. So we've been, you know, calling your vendors and reaching out and um, trying to decide what we can do as a business to halt everything that's happening right now because we don't have a start date. And uh, last week, the executive um, guy from the Arlington Heights Chamber, the executive director, reached out to a bunch of us salon owners, and he has been working specifically with village development and passing information up to the mayor directly by having conversations with different industries. So last Friday was the conversation that he had with all the salon owners that wanted to get on this call. And it was incredibly enlightening because I'm small compared to some of the the salon owners that I talked to, but it was interesting. We were on with a different, all different kinds of salon owners. We were on with a guy that owns one of those um, salon suites, like an actual building yeah. that has all the different places in it. And then a salon owner that has probably 25 chairs. And then another salon owner that has 15 chairs. And then another salon owner that has 10. And then we have five. So it gave a lot of different perspective and it opened up conversations that I didn't even think about as far as what it's going to look like when we get the green light to open. 
Yeah. And I mean, what an interesting intersection because every kind of salon is affected in this and we are all in this together, but we're all hit in very different ways based on the business models, because you're talking about four different business models or such. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's the, that's the room that I think we didn't look at. Like we didn't look at the whole bigger picture from a, the beauty industry standpoint is that each salon is different and each, some salons don't double book. Some salons do double book, some triple book. I don't know, whatever their issues and however they lay out their business model, they have to solve those problems on their own. But if you're limited to what we're able to do, how do you process through that moving forward? And from a budgetary standpoint, that's what I've spent the last basically three days is going through our budget and and our revenue, you know, um, what you what you project, right? We went through our projections in January and we do our goal setting. And now that's completely gone, completely gone. Like it's whitewashed. You've got you to start from scratch type of thing. Yeah. So, you know, we do our projections and I don't, I don't know how all business owners do it, but I do yeah. ours at year end, right? So we look at whatever we did in 2019, we set a goal for 2020, and then we divide that up per each month. Well, now you're mm -hmm. talking how many months that we're generating zero revenue. Well, that's going to take a hit. And right now we're small. So we're estimated to take a hundred thousand dollar hit just us in this 10 week window. If, if how many, we're allowed to go yeah. back to one. Right. And, and how many, um, like profit generating employees do you have just out of curiosity? So we have four stylists that work four full time behind the chair. Okay. So, wow. And you, you could, you know, that that's insane. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it from that perspective, I can't even imagine what somebody who is 20 chairs or 15 chairs, and now they, they are going to have to cut their revenue down based on what we're hearing through the pipeline and how, what are they losing? Correct. And here's the other interesting thing, you know, I, you know, have indefinitely closed without like a start date up because I've already moved people three times. But what I find very also interesting is, so I went ahead and ordered, you know, the protective wear. I feel like if the time comes, I would need just to have it. And if I choose at that time not to open, I'm going to give it to people that are opening. But that was $400 that was spent for one stylist to get the, to get the touchless um, you know, thermometer to get um, the shields, to get the uh, dispensable aprons, to get um, 200 gloves, because they're saying gloves need to be, I use reusable gloves, generally speaking, but I would need to be replacing the gloves every, every client. And then um, just all the things that you would need. And I think that that, you know, touchless water, I mean, soap dispenser, like I'm trying to think like everything I'm going to need, paper towel dispenser, because I've used towels. And so I think about, then you think about the hit on top of that. So if you've got four people at 400 a pop to keep them safe, mm -hmm. that's going to add up too. Right. And, and that was, so that was the interesting conversation that we had. And, and I'll get into a little bit of that. So we, we did a Zoom call version of it. So we were all kind of talking to each other and, 
you know, you know them in the area because we're in a downtown business district. So we have salons almost kind of around the corner. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting. We have business relationships with a couple of them because that's how Ashley and I do business. We're all in this together. We're not in competition with each other. Everybody offers a different service, if you will. Right. And that's their that's their vibe. So getting to talk to some of these people in further detail when they're in a distress was so different than when you have it when when we're in all wheels motion, right? And we're we're doing business as usual. Like one salon owner is terrified. She's terrified of getting this virus or her staff getting it. And so she's been prepared and she bought all of these equipment, all the supplies. And then another salon owner was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not spending a budget on that if we don't have a guideline of what it is that we require to open. But she brought up like a completely different standpoint that I never even thought of when you're as big as some of these salons are. So if she's big and she's huge, she's got 25 shares. She's worried now because of how they double book, they have to stretch their hours from 6 a.m. in the morning till 10 o'clock at night just to be able to service the amount of people that staff can service and stagger shifts. So she's looking at installing an alarm system, like an entry buzz-free alarm system, because now you're talking people have to come in masked. What does that do for safety in the women's, like for a women, primarily women friendly environment where somebody could be coming in masked that's out to cause harm. I never even thought about that. That had never crossed my mind. And she's like, we are in a fishbowl. I have tons of windows and we are the same. Our storefront has tons of windows. I never even thought of that. And so when I said to Ashley, when you start looking at some of these things, it's not just that it's, we have this virus And yeah, we just want to get back open, but what is it going to actually look like? What are we going to be required as an industry to move forward to, to generate money? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And then you have to zoom out and say like, like, like you're saying, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves and get opened and then have these other things come in play where it's like, wow, we should have stayed close that when we opened, we could be profitable versus dragging your feet deciding which half of your staff gets to work. Like I just, just the, the realities of what it's going to look like is it's just like our industry is really just kind of like waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, and it, we're waiting in the wings for all the unknown. And the, the thing that I'm scared about is that 30 days is, is right around the corner. So if we don't have even a, a, an issue of like a plan laid out, as to how we're going to roll in back into business, how are we even supposed to plan? Like you canceled all of your appointments. We keep pushing yeah. people out. And at that point it's, you don't want to pick and choose, right? Because that's not ethical, but how, Yeah, that's you- kind of why I, that's kind of why I canceled them because I do double book at least two people a day. Like I tend to see six people a day and then two of them, like one in the morning and one in the afternoon gets double booked. It's base colors that get double booked and it just offers me to offset my hours. It's, it works really well for how I run my studio, but my issue, what gives giving me anxiety is here I am. I've bumped people out. I bump them out again. And then I'm saying to myself, holy shit, when I go back, I could be at like a third of or a half of 
or a quarter of like what I actually can do. I'm one person. And so I was like, I'm actually setting myself up to kind of shoot myself in the foot if all these people have an expectation of me that I can't meet. Right. And, and that's that's the fine line. Now, you're by yourself. Now multiply that by people that have employees. So now our thing is, yes, how do you pick who's going to come in? How do you, if they're, and we double book too. And we double book all day long because if you're having color, depending on how it fits in, why do you want to be standing around with nothing to do for 45 minutes, right? Right. So if we have to cut capacity, which I'm not sure we will have to because our stations are set six feet apart. We, because of how we creatively laid out our space, we are six feet apart. We have walls that are divided through that. At any given time, we run anywhere between 10 and I would say 14 people in-house at once. So we're a little bit different just because of the timing. We, we would be kind of right at that threshold if we had to stay under 10. So we might be able to, to come back and assume business as usual. But if we can't, now how do I tell my employee, you've been out of work for 10 weeks. Now you've got to come back. And then you might not make as much money as you did before, not because I don't want you to, but because now we have all these restrictions that are limiting us for, for the ability for you to generate as much money as you were making in 2019. So that to me is mind blowing, wrapping your head yeah. around that actual aspect. And I've got six employees. Yeah. I think you make a really, really good point of how individualized, like we are all in the same industry, but how our businesses all run have a lot of their own like intricacies. And I think that that's like a really good point you're making that like what's going to work for one salon or one studio stylist or however it is, it's like really just having compassion towards our industry and not saying the way that you're doing it's right because the way that you're doing it needs to work for the business that you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the salon owners, so like you, you know, we're talking about, let me see that. we're talking about, you know, putting all your ducks in a row, right? Calling your landlord mm-hmm. and calling. So as I was sitting on the phone with somebody the other day, she said that her electric bill is $1,700 a month. I almost died when I heard that. And yeah. I was like, holy Holy crap. So if that's her electric bill, what are all of her other bills? Right. Way and that's higher. why you have so much compassion for people because it's like people are doing the best they can. And I, I know like some people are having, you know, like they rent from someone that is still charging them rent or someone's renting from someone and they're not being charged rent. And I, I've said it in a couple of groups that I'm in. I'm like, you have to just trust that like the person that's running that business wants it to be there when this is over. And if they have to, to collect your money, like they have to do it because it's really what's in the best interest of that business. And it's like, it's not a one size fits all. And like, mm-hmm. you're saying $1,700 for someone's electricity. And then some people have that bundled into their rent. It's just, we're comparing apples to oranges. And I think, I think that it's bringing our industry together, but I have also heard someone say on social media, like I've never seen our industry more divided and that hasn't been what I've seen, but if it's happening for people, I just want people to like, think about like 
the stresses that people are carrying because they are not equal and they're not necessarily meant to be compared, but there's just, there people are carrying around some heavy shit right now. Oh, definitely. And, and there's a lot of things as a business owner to process that other people, they don't have to process, you know, like you said, and that's the hard thing. And even with all of the like our landlord, for example, he's not budging with us. He He's not budging. He's not willing to work with Ashley and I. And he's willing to let us push it off. But it's like, at some point, we're not going to let it go that much further. But we're trying to conserve as much cash flow and as much capital right. as possible that why can't you stretch this out over the next five years that I have on my lease? You already know that I'm here. I've never paid late. But again, somebody else is like, oh, you should be getting rent reduction. Well, that's great. I'm See, really happy are that you are. uneducatedly saying stuff. Like you'll get an email from someone that's like, hey, I hope you froze all your accounts and you're able to get the PPP. I'm like, lady, you have no fucking clue. Yeah. But then, but I think that that's what like, I feel like I want people listening to hear. Like you have to do what is right for you. And like, I know that what was right for me was to cancel everything until I had clarity. And I have clients saying wonderful things, but then I have people saying, I really don't understand your rationale. Well, you don't have the whole picture, ma'am. You don't know my business. You don't know that like, I have to even look into my insurance if I reopen. And, And I was talking to my insurance broker saying, okay, who's my sister? Okay. So I reopen and someone claims they get coronavirus from me. Is that in my insurance policy? Am I covered? Is that a bodily injury? Is there a clause in there? Like we can't move forward willy nilly. And I understand it's inconvenient because people want their hair done and we want to get back to work. But I refuse to make decisions in a reactionary way because I have too much to lose, Pam. Exactly. Exactly. And I and I think as a whole, we've been very lucky People have been like, cause now we're not scheduling anything. And if people call and we're here doing some other things, you know what? We're not actually scheduling appointments right now. We are pushing things yeah. off because it's too unknown. We've already moved some of you people three, four times just because of how it's laid out. And we do have too much to lose. And, and there is that aspect of what happens when you do bring your staff back on. I can thermometer my staff and take their temperature, but legally, can I do outside people? Yes, it's my business, but then you start to get into that fine line of HIPAA. Well, I didn't think about that. And so when someone else said that to me, I'm like, oh, okay. So then my suggestion to the village and to the guy at the chamber was then us salon owners, our sick policy all needs to be the same. So that we are all running together in this because it doesn't make sense if someone down the road is like, oh, yeah, they can come in sick. But then I get turned and bashed around because I'm saying, no, sorry, unfortunately, because my liability and my workers comp and everything are now through the roof because of this virus. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And it it makes me like send so much love to the places I've worked that are bigger because I'm like those people like, you know, and I think it's interesting. Like, I think that there's been this huge, huge, this is like a side tangent thought I've been having, but there's been this huge like rush to independent. And there's been this whole, like, I want to work for myself and be my own owner. But I have a a lot of friends that like work at salon lofts and things like that. And they were saying in these in these um, Facebook groups, these people, the minute all this happened, were like, I shouldn't have to pay rent. I'm not an owner. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, but wait a minute, you were an owner. 
about a, about a week ago. And mm-hmm. now when the rubber meets the road, you're not an owner. And I think a lot of people have in the recent years been kind of anti-commission salons. And now I feel like those same people, some of them, not all of them. I mean, I'm independent. I own it. You know, I'm going to be a, my own person no matter what. But I don't ever skirt my responsibility. And I think that right now, some of the same people that I saw that were kind of damn the man are now, I have a lot of responsibility. One of the things of having my own place is I'm responsible for my own insurance. I'm responsible. So, so now it's like, woe is me. I work for myself. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens in our industry, because I've said for a long time, there's a reason why there's commission salons. There's a reason why people are independent. And I think that it got sexy to be on your own. And how sexy is it now when, when, when it maybe isn't what you should be doing and like, listen to that and maybe, maybe make some changes once this is over. But I I have so much compassion and so much respect for commission salons. When I see that, like they're still trying to pay their employees health insurance, if they're able to, I, I just, I see there's so much responsibility and ownership. And I don't think some people knew that until this happened. Right. You don't realize how much work goes into it until you're faced with um, turmoil, business turmoil, essentially, and gutting through all of the ugly. And that's what, what we are gutting through. And, and again, we're small. We only have four employees, my partner, my partner and I, plus the, the two of us, but, and two of them are our only stylists and the other two are our auxiliary staff. So it's interesting when you look at that, but then what you were saying about health and wellness and then their, their insurance, their overall well-being. So one of the things that came up that I brought up, because our mission through Pure Salon has always been the products that we use, how we're going to take care of the environment and our global footprint. That's been a big part of it. And we have always followed, and we will continue to always follow OSHA standards. But if you look at some of these new guidelines that are coming out about the level of like Lysol and stuff like that, what happens to my employees' lungs? What happens to their overall well-being when they're exposed to these huge, huge chemically laden products that we know that are full of chemicals that we now have to basically gas blast into the salon to clean and your 45 minute service now is an hour because you need to let that Lysol sit for 15 minutes before anybody else can sit there because you can't use a different kind of sanitary wipe. Like it's just unbelievable to me. Some of the guidelines that were coming out and I didn't even think about that either. But when I right. said that so to... That's what, wild. I didn't... Does it say that it has to sit for 15 minutes? Well, Lysol spray, and when you look at some of their stuff, the recommended time frame that you can't wipe it. It has to be air dried for 10 minutes. And they're like putting this guideline like in bold print so that we know now that now we have to let that sit. Okay, well, Jeez. so now you have Clorox wipe. So all these things that you have, not to mention... Uh, I think Georgia's OSHA standards, because they're open, they they recommended disposable capes. Uh, no, I'm not putting that much into the environment. Disposable capes? Like, what are we supposed to do with that? I mean, we wash our capes with between every other client. Yeah, I actually read that you're supposed to um, 
if you can, plastic wrap your shampoo bowl chairs and and change it each. I don't know. Like they do with the like they do with the nail <laughs> the nail bowls when you get a pedicure and they put the plastic bag in there. I think. Well, I think like they were talking about the seat, but maybe maybe they were talking about the bowl again. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I just read it and thought I need you know. Have you seen the meme that shows the 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 people getting their hair done with the they're getting shampooed and they just Throw get a bucket, a bucket of water, water. dumped yes. on their head. <laughs> Is that going to be, and, and that was the thing. So when you look at the article that I sent you, and you went to Aveda, right, Lindsay? That's where you went to school? Okay, yes. so Van Council and Michael Council in Georgia, that article that I sent you, their whole thing, yeah. he is Mr. Aveda. He is Mr. Value-Added Services. My girlfriend left Minnesota to go work for them, and she said they had the best training the, the highest level of professionalism. And now when you read that article, they can't do blow dries. They can't do shampoos. How do you personalize a haircut that you can't blow dry? So, right. And then you have to say, is that person keeping their business going? And like, like that's amazing. Like they're doing what they can, but is that the new reality? Like, are we just in like, and that's interesting. Like, is that where the industry is going? Are we going to be doing take home color kits, which scares the shit out of me. But I mean, like, are we, is that where we're going? Are we going to be just, are we, is it changing completely? Yeah. It it's, it, that's what's unknown. I, I hope that it doesn't because this industry is, it's, it's my, it's my favorite. Out of all the things, you have so many mm-hmm. avenues that you can go down in this industry. You could be successful doing a million things in the beauty industry. And if you don't like beauty school and you get through, there's something else in the industry that you can do that you can be impactful on, regardless of where you go. And that, how many industries can you honestly say that about? And yeah, when you look at the, like what you were saying about the Sola salons and you know, suites and everything, not like your suite, not a standalone, but an actual like business where they have 30 pods in their cubicle. Mm-hmm. What's the longevity of that in reality? That That's my question. Because like you said, everybody wants to get out and do it. But then now here you're faced with that turmoil part of it and troubleshooting through all the muck and the mud and the into the, the trenches and now you're like eh this this is cool but I'm out I don't want to do this anymore right because if you work for someone they might have even helped you get the unemployment all of us are sitting here going okay I'm an independent they say we can get it but I don't know a single independent that's gotten it because the system wasn't set up to support that as it was and so it it doesn't mean that we're not going to eventually get it but but everyone I know has been like declined so it's like, okay, if you had an employer, they might have even filled the paperwork out for you. Like there were advantages, but it's like, I think that it'll be interesting to see like what happens in the industry. But I loved something you said about how it's like your favorite industry, because I was thinking to myself, because I mean, I think if we're all being honest, we've thought about what else we could do if life doesn't get back to Mm -hmm. normal. And I thought to myself, Lindsay, if it was all over today and everything that you did up until this point it was like awesome, but then you never got to do it again. Would it have been worth it? Would you have gone a different route? And the answer, 100%, is I wouldn't have done anything different. And it makes me kind of choked up 
because I don't know when we'll get back to doing the things we did. But I think that it should give people in this like climate, like reassurance that you are doing what you were here to do, if that's your feeling towards it. And if it isn't, it's an opportunity to go, maybe I haven't found it. Maybe I'm not doing what I was meant to be doing. But one other thing I thought of is I'm a huge Gary Vaynerchuk fan. And he has said for a long time, we are living in the time of fake entrepreneurship because it's been too good. It's been too easy. If you were ever like anyone who is going to make it has made it right now because of the, just the, the, the economy and everything. It was like so easy to like really be entrepreneurial or fake be entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And I think that he was kind of foreshadowing where we're at now of like the rubbers meeting the road do you have an entrepreneurial spirit or were you, were you, were you kind of flexing on, on Instagram? Yep. It, it's true. I love Gary. And I think what he writes and he's so in your face and that's what I love about his honesty too. Um, to top mm -hmm. on, on that, I recently read a book called boss up and she's an entrepreneur and she refers to people, either you're an entrepreneur or you're a wantrepreneur. And it really breaks down the difference of really being what an entrepreneur is and, and having that drive to continue to keep going. I'll quit tomorrow kind of mentality. You can always quit tomorrow, right? Because usually when tomorrow comes, you mm -hmm. don't. You keep moving forward. And um, she put that book out, I think it was last year. Her name is Lindsay Teague Marino. And she writes specifically to women. And she writes to moms, too. And I love her light. I love her passion. She's She brings a lot to the table, and it's in the same boat. Because let me tell you, if I'm being honest with you, Lindsay, Ashley and I have had this conversation. Like, okay, at the end of the day, what does it look like if we, if and when we come back, do we continue or do we, like, eh, this has been great and all, and her husband just asked her yesterday, like, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to do hair. And, you mm -hmm. know, that that was that point. And that's when I said to Fred, at the end of the day, I'm not done reaching all the people that I want to reach to to get them into their passion, whatever that is. I don't care. But that's that's why I do this. That's why you cry at night. That's why you sit and cry for your employees that are trying to figure out unemployment. This is why you're trying to hold on and up till all hours of the night, trying to figure out these SBA loans and th that the government doesn't even know about. You're just stuck like, waiting for God the hell yeah. knows what with no clarity. So it is true. And I think it, my accountant said to me yesterday, let me just remind you that at, at the end of turmoil, there's always an opportunity. And that was really profound to me because even through it all, there could be an opportunity when this all passes. Well, and I already see like, like that I, I would love for the people that stay in salon ownership and the people that stay in this industry, like, but, but maybe you're an owner right now and it's not setting your heart on fire. But what excites me is like, you're not doing this. Ashley isn't doing this because it's easy because it'd be easier to just worry about yourself. I mean, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and, and, and it's still stressful, but what I so admire about you and what I so admire about this industry and salon owners is like, 
anyone who owns a salon that's doing it like, and we're doing it really well, chances are they're doing it because they fucking care about you. Not because they're banking off you because you know what, even if they make a little money off of you, these times for, in my opinion, don't warrant enough of a return on investment to continue doing it. Yep. It's true. So I just think it's so admirable. And I think that like, it's such a cool insight to see like, what is it actually like? Like if you're listening to this and you have a salon owner that you love, like she's Dawn, she's, she or he is up trying to figure out how to make this work for you. And I think there are exceptions to the rule, but I think for the most part, people that are doing this do it because they love seeing other people rise up. I agree. And we're not willing to sacrifice any of the work that we've done over the last few years. And what I mean by that is Ashley and I went into partnership together to have a balance of work and home life. So to be able to have kids, to be able to create an environment where people can come to work where they aren't working like dogs, that is still our number one mission. Are we going to be busy when we come back? Yes. Are we willing to triple book or whatever we can do to maximize and get everybody in No, we're not willing to do that. And people are saying they're going to have to go back and work 10, 12. Our bodies can't handle 12, however many days back on our feet like that. Yeah. Like I saw some people saying like, Hey, when we do open back up, a lot of us are working seven days a week. And honestly, like those are the days, which I never work seven days a week, but when I was killing myself that I had to question if it was what I wanted to keep doing, it wasn't what I was doing, it was how I was doing it. And I don't want people to, to go back and do this job in a way that is so unsustainable and unfulfilling and soul crushing. Right. Yeah. If you're miserable, this is your chance to get out. Definitely. Like you got the out card, man, like surrender the wave, the white flag. Yeah. But to go back and have people like, like, that's why I said to Ashley, like we have people even that were like, hey, can I get a haircut? No, I cannot do that. Like the state is ma- mandating it's not safe. I understand that you're desperate. I'm desperate too. I'm cutting my own bangs <laughs> on Facebook Live, okay? Like let's talk about desperate. Like we're all doing this together. It's, this is not some conspiracy against you. And it's like I said to Ashley, you can ask if they want. We can ask if they want to pick up a few extra hours. Am I going to mandate that? No. Am I going to say, like, we are closed Sundays and Mondays. We are closed because our people need two days to rest, to shut down, and be with their family. Period. We are not opening up Sundays and Mondays. We are not going to be in flooding a bunch of hours and doing all this crazy stuff. We will figure out staggering shifts and doing the things that we need to so that people still have time to rest and be home and decompress. And that's going to be tricky. Yeah. So how important has it been to you to like know what your company values are during this time? Because I feel like there are people that aren't necessarily going into it with that attitude. And do you find that having had the values helps you like, like live in alignment with the guideposts that you've created for your business? Cause that sounds so like you sound so sure. And it's awesome. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it, it def, we have, as I've been working on my speaking stuff and my um, other side of entrepreneurship on the next level of the, my living life beyond the dream, 
that's been the, our mission at the salon is still an intricacy into that aspect of my speaking and of my motivational side, because it has to be because they coincide. So if I'm going to talk and breathe life into people and encourage people to reach for their dreams and do the things, how can I come back and be like, Oh yeah, you, we really are going to need you to work about 50 hours. No way. I'm not going to do that. Even though we've been off for however many months, I can't physically do that. I've got three kids. I couldn't turn to my husband and be like, peace out. See ya. I'm going to be gone for 55 hours this week. Let me know how that goes. Cause then I'll, I'll suck at being a wife and I'll suck even more at being a mom. And then I'll suck at being a boss too, because then I'll feel like a jerk for forcing them to do all these things. But again, that's just my personal opinion. And if you're like me, you'd be really resentful. Like you'd be taking it out on clients. You'd be taking it out on your spouse, probably your kids. I don't, you know, I don't have them, but it's like, I feel like my, my whole workaholic in me wants to go back and do that 55 hours. But then like the wiser part of me is like, yeah, but how's that generally go for you? Right. What's the outcome of that? Because then you have to backpedal out of what you already created. Because then you get into this revenue generating stream, right? It's like the, the, the double-edged sword. And that's the one thing that Ashley and I, even when we started to see the downturn, it was like, no, no, don't, don't open up your Saturday because we need to steady the course and trust the process. And then, of course, the world closed and that whole thing went out the window. But we could have jumped back in. We could have jumped back in. At any given time prior to that, as we started to see people were starting to get afraid and canceling their appointments and, you know, making room for other people. And we just were like, no, we've created this. This is where we need to stay. So, but I think you make a really good point. That is always in a hairstylist back pocket that either works for themselves or in a salon where they're like, I could just work a little longer. Like it's always in your back pocket, like the fear mentality. That's like, I could just, but I, I could just get this one more person in. I could, it wouldn't be a big deal, but you're right. It sends you on this, this hamster wheel ride of like, okay, so now I've got people that come in on Saturdays when I don't work Saturdays. Now I've got to keep coming in on Saturdays or, mm-hmm. okay, I don't do a take a four o'clock client, but I've been taking a four o'clock client. So now every time they book, they're like, four is great for me. And you're like, great. And you're like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's like this horrible spiral. So you're right. Like, I think that I, I just want to say before this is over, like I so admire the business that you and Ashley have started because I've watched you guys just like pop out kids. And it just seems like that. Cause I feel like one of you has been pregnant at what, at each moment for the last five years. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, we have, we each had, we've had, we have five kids total together. So I, I <laughs> yeah. have three and she has two and we've done it. Yeah. Every other year. Yeah. Cause we're crazy. And I think that Well, I think it's so inspiring because I think for so many people in this industry, like you don't see people doing it in a way where they're able to have a career that's as big as their home life. And I think that you guys, and I think that right now for people to hear that that's possible, I think that it's important. Thank you. Yep. We, it's one of our, it was one of our top things signing our partnership agreement that this is a must. We want to have kids and we want to have a business. And so we're going to have to make it work. And luckily it's, I don't know how God has allowed that to happen, that we have managed to do it so seamlessly because I'm sure a lot of partnerships out there have not had that, but we are very blessed in that aspect that it did work out that way. 
Well, I think it's a testament to the intentionality. Like I didn't talk about anything when I started my partnership. I had a great partnership for four years, but there was no sustainability in it because there were no hard conversations had. It's, it's fantastic to know that like people are going into partnerships, like, I mean, knowing that this stuff that's important to them in their life and their value systems. And that's just, um, that's a pro tip right there that I did not take. It, we've had we had a lot of great advice, and that is one of my my things to do. That's one of my biggest passions is to help people get out of it and start on their own and have all those pieces in place because it, we had that great direction of the, the fine line and the hard conversations and what it would look like if we couldn't agree what would happen. And, and that's hard to do, too. It is hard mm-hmm. to do in a partnership. And, and we completely separated our roles. It, we do not cross into them. She has one role and I have another. I do all the money, the finance. I deal with the hard conversations. She does a different outlet of social media and web design and, and the client part of it because she's easier. She handles the clients better than I do. It's just one of her strengths. And so when we divided that and we play on each other's strengths and our weaknesses, we are stronger together because of it. And we do not cross into each other's lanes at all. And if we have detoured, we're like, hey, uh-uh, you're in yeah. my line here and you need to get back, pull the wheel, and we redirect. That's, that's amazing it. insight. It's the key. It's the key to our success for sure. That's awesome. So where can people find you, Don? Because I feel like there's so many things you talked about today that like I I want people to know they can reach out to you and connect with you. Yeah. What's the best way to do that? You know, people can reach out to me at um, either uh, my social media at Pure Ambrosia um, on Instagram or I am working on getting my website going. It is up. It is live, DonWoo.com. Um, is one of another outlet that you can reach me by email um, and my phone number is on there too. But I would love to connect with people and and talk to anybody that's willing to do it. And those are probably the best outlets. But I am reformatting my website, so bear with me on that one. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for today. I know I got so much out of it and I feel like other stylists will too. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Lindsay. I look forward to um, talking again on a much lighter note. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>